all remember those home ec classes during our high school years, right? While I might have made a really cool pillow that looked like a hamburger, Lynette Marquardt developed a passion in sewing and never looked back, and it has taken her to amazing places. But sewing and costuming wasn't all she dreamt about. She dreamed of being a mother. And that's when her story took on a path she had never planned to travel. That's on this Action and Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. Action. Action in ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legute, and this is Action in Ministry. We're talking today with Lynette Marcourt. She has had opportunities few of us can even imagine. Sewing took her from the classroom to Broadway and now back to her own home. And all along the way, God was preparing her for her biggest ministry of all, to her own son and others who would come into her home. Lynette, thanks for joining us. I'm so glad to be here. Lynette, how did this passion for sewing develop in your life? Well, interestingly enough, it started at Lutheran South in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Go Lancers, (laughs) class of 83. And, you know, my mom was sewing at home with my sisters, but I wanted to learn from uh, Miss Halverson at the time, and now she's Mrs. Eicher. And she taught me how to sew starting the fall of my sophomore year of high school, and it just took off from there. Uh, Things just seemed to click. And so from there, I went to Mizzou and finished my home ec education degree so that I could follow in her footsteps and become a home ec teacher, and I was. Uh, I taught in Clarksville, Missouri, uh, north of St. Louis on the river uh, for three years, and then I taught at Afton High School for two years. And after five years of teaching, um, that was rewarding, but it wasn't quite as fulfilling as I wanted it to be. Where did your love for sewing take you over the years? You know, I, I knew what I wanted, so I had a game plan, and I moved to Boston and attended Boston University for my master's degree. It's an MFA in costume production, which is the technical side of sewing and fabric modification and tailoring and millinery. It's it's not the design. We work with the designers, but this is the technical side, and that was very exciting. Moving to Boston, um, I was a member at First Lutheran in Boston, and when you're in grad school, you know, That was six days a week, 15 hours a day for three full years. And during the summers, we would go work in professional theaters around the country. Having that degree um, was a lot of fun, uh, very challenging to get, but it allowed me to do things like being the personal assistant just for one night to Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. Mm. And that was right before Seinfeld went off the air. And I got to work on a film and discovered that was not what I wanted to do. (laughs) And I got to work in all different theaters and opera houses. Uh, At the peak of my career, I was the costume director for Glimmerglass Opera in upstate New York. And we would travel down to New York City to to do fabric shopping and meet with the designers. And um, it all, at the time, felt kind of glamorous, and it was fun, and a lot of late nights um, in the theater. And Um, And I would have a crew of 38 to 40 professional stitchers underneath me working with me to create these amazing, beautiful productions. And um, as I got further into that career, 
um, the the church and my faith, it became a little bit more peripheral, um, not quite what it used to be. Yeah, I was um, thinking, as I listened to your journey, this is an incredible journey that you've been on, and um, it's taking it took you so many different places. And I'm wondering how that affected your connection with the church and your faith in God. Right, and you're around people who aren't necessarily Christians and um, perhaps lead alternative lifestyles. Um, the, the great part was that no matter where I went, whether it was working in Utah at the Shakespearean Festival or anywhere else, um, wherever I went, I knew I could just find the Lutheran Church there and I would have a home and I would have an instant family. And it's true. Wherever I went, I could find the church there, Boston, Utah, wherever. And then I moved down here to Houston. But things changed. Uh, the career wasn't really satisfying my ultimate desire to get married and have a, have at least one child. At the time, I thought I would have so many. Well, like you said, sewing was your job, and costuming took you on this great journey um, through a lot of different unique and interesting places. But you had other things on your heart and mind, and eventually you did get married. Can you um, tell us a little bit about that part of your journey? Sure. I did get married here in Houston. I had moved here to work at the Alley Theater, uh, and then I hopped across the street and worked at the Grand Opera just for a few months. But I met uh, the man who would become my husband, and we got married. And at this point, I was already 36, and we waited a year, and then we tried to have children, but, you know, pushing pushing the limits on that. <laughs> so that didn't quite work. So we tried in vitro fertilization, which, uh, yeah, that, that just... Mm, giving myself shots every day really wasn't working for me. And it was pointless. That wasn't God's plan for us. But we didn't know that at the time. So then we decided to adopt our child. After you went through a difficult process like IVF, you found yourself in the adoption process, and that can be difficult too. What challenges came along when you chose to adopt? Well, you know, international adoption is challenging in many ways. But for whatever reason, um, the the government of Guatemala kind of put a red flag on us, and what should have taken approximately three to five months, let's say, actually took us 14 months, and it was just excruciating, and we made eight trips down there, mm-hmm. not because we had to. I mean, we had to make a couple of them, but mostly because I wanted to see my son, right. this beautiful little boy. Um, so by the time he came home to America, he was 14 months old. Um, we had... Really, what I thought, I thought we had walked through a horrible journey already, um, just really torture for me to have to leave my child over and over again. But that was God building up tenacity in Mm. me. What changes did adoption bring about in your life? So when we got home, um, I knew he wasn't hitting his major milestones because I was teaching child development just a few years earlier. I knew that, but I attributed it to a cultural difference. Mm -hmm. So the whole time we were visiting him in Guatemala, um, I truly feel like God did not reveal his disabilities to me at that time so that uh, I wouldn't change my mind or do something stupid. Mm -hmm. They were working with us for several months, and after six months they said, you know, Lynette, this just isn't right. You need to go get an MRI. So Mm -hmm. we did. And once the results came back, I realized, 
oh, okay, so this this changes everything. So we realized at that time um, there was some delayed myelination, partial agenesis of the corpus callosum, meaning he's missing part of his brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it showed some other things as well. And then we thought, well, we better get a full picture. Let's go have some genetic testing done. So that came back that Jesse uh, has a chromosomal abnormality known as 1Q44 deletion. And thanks to Facebook, we know of about 200, 250 cases worldwide of that particular chromosomal abnormality. So the whole picture for Jesse uh, looks like this. Uh, Some of his diagnosis include epilepsy, hypotonia, so he wears leg braces, although he also uses a wheelchair. Uh, Pretty bad scoliosis. In fact, six weeks ago tomorrow, he just had uh, spinal fusion surgery, so Mm -hmm. he has nine screws and two rods in his back now. Severe cognitive delay, so he functions on the level of approximately two- to three-year-old. He is 100% nonverbal. He's pre-diabetic. And to be honest, I feel like every year we get a new diagnosis. As we got these new diagnoses in, I realized whatever my life used to be, that's done. It it can't happen that way anymore. Mm -hmm. So as you started to lean into this new relationship of being a mother to a child that had these disabilities, what happened to your career and your relationships? How did you learn to cope with this? (laughs) Yeah, So um, the career disappeared. Whatever Mm -hmm. that was, was never going to be again. And and in some ways, I was okay with that because it wasn't quite as satisfying as I thought it would be. But I still loved to sew, but I didn't necessarily love the venue that it was packaged in. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you know, being a wife and a mother, you don't want to spend late nights out of the house. You want to be at home to put your kid to bed and say, I love you and be there for your family. So um, eventually um, I did get divorced. And so now I am a single mom with a disabled child, Mm -hmm. which (laughs) that was never part of the plan. But again, I have to think to myself, I got to throw that out the window. What did you learn from these unexpected changes in your life? When I plan for myself, when we as humans make our own plans, we're going to get poor results. All we have to do is follow his plan, because when we do, everything falls into place. So the career disappeared, but then I got a divorce, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go back to work, because I have to support us. I have to pay my mortgage somehow. So I did go back to teaching. I went back to teaching home ec. Um, and, you know, surprisingly, 16 years later, some parts of it are the same, but (laughs) it's not like it used to be. Yeah, I can imagine. I don't know if you've ever, woo, teaching high school in the public sector is a little more than what I bargained for, but I lasted five years before I just had to turn in those keys and walk away. Um, and because it was so upsetting to me, I knew I wasn't being the best mom that I could be to Jesse. So again, I thought, Lynette, just go out and get a job. It's So I literally, for 15 months I, during my last year of teaching and after I quit, I applied for over 100, 125 jobs. And I tell you the truth, I had two job interviews, two out of all those jobs I applied for. And I remember 
sitting on the phone with my sister and bawling my eyes out like a baby saying, why is God doing this to me? What am I doing wrong? What am I supposed to be doing? And then on a whim, I'm telling you, on a whim, I opened the Facebook page to my neighborhood, and I just made a post, hey, if anybody needs their New Year's Eve gown altered, I here are my qualifications, and I'm happy to help you. And my phone started ringing off the hook, <sighs> and I got up the next morning, and I'm like, what on earth did I do? And I had <laughs> 285 likes, and I said, oh, okay, what just happened here? <laughs> well, here it is a year and a half later. And I haven't looked back. God has opened so many doors, but it was in my brokenness that I was able to see what His plan was. And it was when I decided that my needs have to be secondary to my child's. And I have a saying that I like to say, every decision I make, everything I do is for Jesse and because of Jesse. And when I put his needs first and make decisions based on that, then my life falls into place. How did you see God continue to use you despite the very different direction you anticipated? Here I am with a successful small business. I have more work than I know what to do with. And because of this little business I have, being an alteration specialist and seamstress for my neighborhood, I've met the most incredible friends and Christians in my neighborhood, and we're able to celebrate the joy of our risen Lord. And now, this year, starting in January, I even started little sewing classes so that the mothers and fathers can drop their children off. And so my whole focus of my life has now changed because I was willing to accept the complete failure of my own plan so that I could implement his plan. Totally different mindset than when I was growing up. You know, as kids, we're we're egocentric. We want to think of ourselves first and our needs. But once we take that away and we really focus on joy, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, yourself, Mm -hmm. then the real joy does happen in our lives. I'm wondering how you've changed through the years. Have you seen yourself changing on this journey that God has brought you on? Oh, I think very much, very much. Again, focusing on my son and less on myself and realizing that in the smallest things that we can do for someone else, we bless others and become the hands and feet of Christ. And I don't know that I really ever embraced that as a young person, maybe that comes with age or maybe that comes with uh, experience, but having that life of service can can come from doing something big or something small. So the changes in me have come about um, because of the Holy Spirit working through me. Your whole life has changed the way that you do it, your career what some people might see as a loss of all of these types of opportunities that you had right at your fingertips, you've really taken um, what God has given you and developed your own personal ministry. um, And you've seen God do great things through that. How would you encourage someone um, Mm -hmm. to take the life that they have and to um, be active in ministry in the midst of it? I would say look inside and see what strengths God has given you and find ways to show them outwardly to create your own ministry. So, for example, you know, with me, it's my sewing. 
I have a friend, uh, Catherine. She lives in the next neighborhood over, and she has overcome incredible challenges. Her husband left her after 30 years. Her grown son committed suicide. She pretty much doesn't like to leave her house, which I understand, but she has a ministry. She calls people and prays with them. So when my son just had his recent surgery six weeks ago, she called the night before to pray with me over the phone. That's wonderful. That's a huge ministry. Maybe one of your listeners is a retired teacher. Uh, Maybe they taught English and they have writing skills. I guarantee you there are people in this world who do not have those skills. (laughs) So, um, for example, another one of my neighbors has a grown son who was just diagnosed with skin cancer, and they have no insurance. And I said, you know, Kim, you need to create a GoFundMe. And she said, I don't even know what that is. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that on the computer, and I don't write very well. Okay, fine. You know, my dad was a writer and an author. I wrote the story. I created that GoFundMe page. Why couldn't Why couldn't someone else do that for for someone they know? Mm-hmm. Um, just reaching out, finding your strength. Maybe you have the gift of cooking, and there's someone in your neighborhood who um, maybe there's a loss of some kind, or they just brought a child home from the hospital. You know, taking a meal over to them and praying with them would mean the world to them. I was amazed how many people were willing to do that for me. Perhaps they have the gift of time. Maybe they're either retired or, you know, if you've worked in the same business for 20, 30 years, you probably have several weeks of vacation per year. Maybe it's being a chaperone on a youth mission trip. Everybody has something to give, something to offer. You have to open your mind because God is calling you to do great things, maybe in big ways, maybe in small ways. I think the takeaways are truly, number one, accept that God is in control and will orchestrate your life perfectly. you got to be willing to throw out your own game plan uh, and accept His. And number two, realize that it's not about me. It's not it's not about ourselves. It's about serving others. And to number three, look for those opportunities to serve because God's already presenting them to you. You just have to open your eyes and see them in a new way. Well, Lynette, that is a great reminder that we are each uniquely gifted and we can use those gifts to love and serve our neighbors. I'm so glad that you took the time to um, share your story with us today. I'm really grateful for everything that you shared. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Lynette had her story planned out, just as many of us do, or did. When she realized God was writing her story, she was able to fully embrace the blessing and opportunity that God gave her. It was out of her brokenness that she was given a unique ministry, not just caring for her son or blessing others with her tailoring and teaching, but sharing with others how God has restored her life in so many ways. You too have a story. Maybe it hasn't turned out how you planned, but remember, it's God's story for you, and it's yours to share. That's Action and Ministry. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rachel Legute. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action, and send us an email.